and welcome to Grace Life Rondebosch. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray that this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. on prayer and tonight um, I want to talk about how we come to God determines how we receive okay now we've already looked at how prayer isn't just how do we say it? prayer isn't just um, transactional prayer is relational prayer isn't just transactional it's relational so we need to 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 realize like you know I was talking to to Malcolm Marcel before the service saying you know I, I realize I need to ask more maybe because I'm not in that, like, if I, I, I stopped for a moment uh, earlier today and I was like, let me think about my prayer life. I'm not, I might be praying for other people. I might be just having relationship with God, but I'm not really asking at all for myself. You know, if, if there's a need that pops up, I'm like, thank you, Father, you're going to take care of it. Then I kind of move on. And, and that's a good place to be because then it's more about relationship than it is about what can you do for me. Not, my father is not an ATM, but there is a part where he wants to be a blessing. He wants to, to, to move in our lives and he's inviting us to ask. So we need to kind of uh, look at this. Amen? Sorry? That's interesting. <laughs> so go to James chapter 1. I want to read uh, verse uh, 5 to 7. It says, If any of you lack wisdom... Let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given to him. So we've looked at this already, and I'm just wanting to elaborate on it a bit, but there's, a, there's some really good stuff here. Uh, upbraideth not means you know, God's not finding fault with you when you ask. And uh, we, we focused on that. He's not the fault-finding God. Okay, He's not looking for fault. And it says, and it shall be given to him. God is a giving God. That's what we looked at last week. His nature is giving, not taking. Then it says, verse 6, But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven uh, with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. So, this is talking about how we need to have faith, but it's not talking about faith for God to give you something. It's talking about faith to receive what God has given. There's a big difference. It's not talking about faith to get God to give you something because God's not going to give you anything. That's the, that's the bottom line. It's talking about faith to receive what He's given so, like, the answered prayer in the respect of um, obtaining something isn't God giving anything to you. It's you receiving. Okay? We, 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 we'll unpack this a little bit more as we go. But here it says, well, let me say in verse 7, it doesn't say, Let not a man think he will not be given. What does it say there? Verse 7, let not that man think he shall receive anything from the Lord. It doesn't say anything about God not giving you anything. It says you won't receive anything. 
So if, if you're double-minded, if you're uh, 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 wavering in faith, what does it mean? You're going to not receive. It doesn't mean God's going to go, Haha, you don't have faith the way you should. I'm not giving you anything. That's what we've got to establish with the nature and character of God. He's the giving God. He's not the fault-finding God. It's about us positioning ourselves to receive. Okay? He gives liberally without finding any fault. That's how we've got to see Him. If we're wanting to just enjoy the, the benefits or, or the blessing of what He wants to, to do in our lives. Okay? The man asking or the woman asking needs to take hold of what he's given. What he's giving. And there's a lot more that we can say about that. But that's just uh, an introduction talking about how we need to be receiving. I mean, Mark eleven twenty four. Jesus says it there. And he says, therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe you've received them and ye shall have them. So there's a responsibility on us when we come to God, when we're, when we're uh, uh, praying about whatever we're praying about, even if it's just asking for wisdom. We need to be believing that He's a generous God. It's not about having faith that He's going to give me what I'm asking for, I'm going to, or I'm even going to receive what I'm asking for, in terms of a thing. You're not putting your faith towards something, you're putting your faith in the person. You're thinking about the nature of God. Your, your faith needs to be towards the nature of God, the goodness of God. He's a giving God, He's a loving God. And so that's what I'm, 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 I'm uh, uh, focused on in my prayer. Not, I really need whatever. I really need this. I'm really desiring that. Don't focus on that. Focus on the fact that He's a giving God. That His nature is good. And that He loves you and He's your Father. Okay? <clears throat> so building on from last week, let's go to Luke chapter 18. And I want to look at the Pharisee and the tax collector. So Luke chapter 18 from verse 9 to 14. Okay, so uh, write down something that stands out for you. Some, if you've got a question as well, you're welcome to ask questions. But let's uh, write down something that stands out for you. And maybe there's an opportunity at the end. Unless we get carried away with ministry. But Luke chapter 18 verse 9 to 14 from the New King James says, And he spoke this parable. I nearly got carried away with just the, the, that, that line <laughs> in my preparation. I had to delete maybe a page uh, of notes or take them out because I wanted to just talk about parables uh, uh, because it would have blessed you. But I'll mention some a little bit. Uh, and he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves. That's key. That they were righteous. That's key. And despised others. That's key. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, not with God, even though he said, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week, I give tithes of all I possess, and the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven. We're going to talk about that. What is that? He wouldn't even just raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself 
will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So the first thing we need to see is that this is a parable. What does that mean? It didn't happen. Okay? <laughs> Sorry to disappoint you. It's a story that Jesus is telling to bring across a point. Okay? Um, parables when, are, are fiction. You know, there's some, you, you have facts, you have fiction, you have lessons that you draw from them, and you need to be able to discern it correctly in that sense. Okay? Um, parables are figurative. The Bible calls them dark sayings, meaning they don't, they, they, they're mis mysterious or mystical. And they're not even for believers. But that's another story. We can still learn from it. Uh, uh, it's not literal, but there's some, there's some meat in here that we can pull out. And so Jesus says to his disciples, when they asked him why he taught in parables, okay, he says in Matthew 13 verse 11, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. So now this is just a little bit on parables. What is Jesus saying here? He's, he's saying that it was given to the disciples to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but not to the unbelievers, not to his general listeners. Okay? The general listener who wasn't traveling with him as a disciple, that, that, that he spoke to them in parables. Look at this verse, Matthew 13, 10, to, uh, just the verse before that. It says, And the disciples came to him, came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? Speak to who? Jesus didn't speak to the disciples in parables. Think about that for a moment, because we often just put, like, you can stand up here and teach a parable. Parables are not for the, 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 the disciple or the church. It's to convince towards faith, to help you work out of your unbelief, towards receiving the gospel. Okay? And I'll have to do, by the looks on some faces, I'll do some more teaching on that another time. We'll let you know when that comes. But Jesus did not teach his disciples in parables. He taught the people. Okay? The disciples' question was, why do you speak to them in parables? So this, this isn't something that actually happened, this, this parable that we're looking at. But there's a message in it that he's wanting to bring across to the unbeliever to bring them into faith. The Pharisee came to pray on his own credentials. Now we're going to start looking at some of the nuts and bolts or foundational things of what does it take to get prayer answered. What does it take to, to have a, a, a God's will for your prayer life, which is 100% success? Think about that. God's will for your prayer life is 100% success. Meaning, when you pray, you hear His voice. When you pray, you get your answer. When you pray for someone, there's results. That's God's desire. That's how He's designed it. But we looked at it a couple weeks back. We often don't experience that because we, we're praying without knowing what the purpose of prayer is. We're praying without understanding who we are in Christ. We're praying amiss. We're just completely like on the wrong track. Okay? Like it's, it, it, let's take a case in point. We're, we're, we're taking this month and we're spending more time praying for the, the church here and how we can reach more people in this area, etc. And praying amiss, praying a stupid prayer even, would just be God, please send more people. Because it doesn't work like that. 
<laughs> okay, so now we have to understand a few things and then pray in line with God's will. Pray according to the word and then those prayers will work. So the Pharisee came on his own credentials. He, he mentioned he, he fasted twice a week. Has anyone ever mentioned that to God? You know, God, I need a prayer answered. I fasted twice this week. I fought, you know, it, you're, you're in the category here with this uh, Pharisee. <laughs> he says he was a faithful giver. He tithed. He wasn't a sinner. Even though he's lying. None of these things he mentioned was wrong, right? These are the things, for a man under the old covenant, this was, he, was, he was doing pretty good. Okay, this is the things that he should have done. But even though he was operating under that covenant, he wasn't supposed to come to God and expect answers based on his righteousness. Based on his credentials, what he had done. And then he made another mistake. I mentioned it, uh, it emphasized it when we read that verse. He despised the others. He prayed despising others. So this is one of the ways we, we, we miss it in prayer, is when we're despising others in our prayer. Then it's like, you know, it's not really going to accomplish much. It's not uh, 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 working much. But this, this guy was arrogant. He was proud. He felt like he had done something wonderful, and so he deserved God to listen to him. So I'm trying to show you and expose some of the um, motivations and heart attitudes that we need to push against if we're wanting to have a fruitful relationship with God because that's what prayer is. It's relationship with God. Fruitfulness in our relationship with God doesn't come from being proud and despising others and, and boasting about everything we've done. So if we check the content of his prayer, think about it. If you can put that verse up again from, what is it, Luke chapter 18. If you look at, at this guy's prayer, there's no request there. If you examine it, there's no request. He's just telling God how wonderful he is. <laughs> Probably hoping for something or some, some kind of recognition or something. You know, he, he, he's telling everything about this is what I'm not and this is what I've done. But uh, there's no, um, it's not really even a prayer. He's just talking to himself. Telling himself, thinking he's talking to God about how wonderful he is. But then on the other hand, you've got the tax collector. Anyone work for SARS here? <laughs> you know, I, I was teaching on something once and tax collectors came up and so I was talking about how we don't like tax collectors only to realize that there was someone working for SARS in the, <laughs> in the congregation and they came and told me afterwards. And um, <laughs> it's a bit different maybe nowadays but the, the point is, is that we have this tax collector who, who did not receive because he was a sinner. He, he wasn't justified because he... he, he um, he didn't live with the expectation of, uh, uh, I've done this and so now you have to give me that. And it, it's showing he's not within the covenant or anything like this. So he's, he's not even kind of trying to justify, Abraham's my father and I deserve all of these things. He, he's, he's really just coming and saying, God be merciful to me. He, he's really just relying on the goodness of God. Okay, he came on the platform of mercy. 
You know, the fact that he said he couldn't even lift up his eyes or his face, it's implying worship. Whereas you've got this other guy, the Pharisee, who's so full of pride, of pride that he's not, he's not worshipping. He's not worshipping at all. Like, I mean, you, you, you get this in church even. Imagine. You get people who come and they look like they're worshipping. They look like they're worshipping. Like this guy looked like he was praying. He looked like he was worshipping, but he wasn't. The Pharisee. Then you've got the sinner, the tax collector, and what is he doing? He, 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 he's like down, looking down, and in his heart, he's like, God, be merciful to me. That's worship, because it's coming from his heart. There wasn't pride there. He wasn't relying on, on his uh, accolades or anything like this. You know, when a, a Jew came to pray as a sinner, he would come with a sin offering to God at the temple. And so the man could have been looking at his sacrifice. That's why he didn't look up, lift his eyes up to, to God, uh, up to the heavens or whatever. He was looking at his sacrifice. You know, he was standing on his sacrifice. Uh, 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 generally, they would be killing the sacrifice in front of them so they would even be standing on blood. And that made all the difference. So this is kind of showing us what, what could have been actually happening with this, um, this uh, tax collector who was coming in such a, 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 a humble way and a worshipful way where he was like bringing his offering. He, he, and he was kind of worshipping God. Asking for mercy. And he gets justification. Because Jesus says he went back home justified. Which shows us You've got the Pharisee who's trying to justify himself. Look at what I've done. Fasted, given, done this, done that. And then you've got the sinner, the tax collector, who is like, God, have mercy on me. And he's the one who gets justified. You can't justify yourself. Make, make yourself just as if you've never sinned. You know, so Jesus is showing us this, or this illustration, to show us how we can... One of the things I believe is to show us how we can uh, uh, have answered prayer. Lack of a better way to explain it. How, to, to, how we should have a foundation of prayer for fruitfulness in prayer. The purpose of this, this parable is to learn something. And that is, what righteousness are you submitted to? Are you trying to justify yourself in your, your relationship with God? Or are you allowing Him to justify you? You're just putting faith in His goodness. You're just relying in on Him. Now, because look at um, Romans chapter 5, verse 1 to 2. This, this is showing us the only ground for justification. Romans 5, verse 1 and 2, the New Living Translation. Therefore, since we've been made right, justified, in God's sight by faith. So faith is what justifies us. Not that you fasted twice this week. Faith is what justifies us, not that you gave into the offering. Faith is what justifies us, not that you're living a good life. Faith is what justifies us, not the fact that you're better than the person sitting next to you. Okay? We have, because of this justification, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. I really feel just, just focus on that first line, that first verse for a moment. 
And I believe that like, for somebody here even today, tonight, like, this is something that God is wanting to minister to you. Because you don't have peace in your heart. And whoever it is, like, this is the key to experiencing peace. Because often, you, we can kind of, if we get into a legalistic kind of uh, a hamster wheel, you know, where you're kind of like working up a lot of, uh, uh, you're doing a lot and a lot of works and a lot of energy, but you're going nowhere and you're not seeing fruitfulness. That's usually because you're focused in on what you need to do. And there's no peace in that, right? Peace doesn't come from, what do I have to do? What, what else can I do? Like, I'm trusting God for X, Y, and Z. I need X, Y, and Z, whatever. If I want God to move in my life, or if I want a, a blessed life, I've got to, I've got to, I've got to, I've got to. There's no peace in that. So, this is showing that we're justified by faith in what Jesus has done for us, and that brings us peace. I mean, there's so many good examples of this. I remember... Uh, 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 a Bible teacher saying uh, that they had gone to um, visited some people in what do you call them nicely <laughs> they had gone to mental institutions to visit some people and uh, in these institutions a lot of the people that they engaged with and, 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 and whatever in the states were religious and a lot of these people were driven by obligation they feel like they're not doing enough they need to do more and so that's a great picture of what legalism will do to you it'll drive you nuts literally because you you will never have peace because you feel like you're not good enough and you can't get get you there's what else can i do but you know the the, the, the believer who who is Allowing their, their heart to be established in the fact that they're justified by faith, they're made right with God by faith, not what they do, should have perfect peace. No matter what happens in the world, no matter what's happening on the outside, we should just be at peace and at rest. Look at verse 2. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. So the only ground for answered prayer is that we've been justified by faith in what Jesus has done for us. Now, I'm pretty sure majority of us would be like, Amen. But let's just think about our prayer life for a moment. Because I'm pretty sure there's some of us who, when we do pray for stuff, we are trying to justify why we should get an answer. Why would we do that? Lord, I've heard people start off like this. Father, you know. <laughs> they start reminding God of everything because He forgets. God, you know. X, Y, and Z. And Father, I have been declaring by faith. X, Y, and Z. And I have been speaking to the mountain. And I have been doing this. And I've been fasting. And I've, Father, I know that I'm positioned for a miracle. Father, I, you know, and you're kind of like speaking all about what you've done. And you're not focused on anything to do with what Jesus has done. You know, when a, 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 a fruitful prayer life would be burst out of, Father, you're so good. I'm so thankful for what you've done for me. I really don't deserve anything. 
but I thank you that I can just put faith in your grace and receive. And there's so much pressure off because now I don't have to perform. I mean, a lot of Christians, company, what's a present company excluded, <laughs> obviously, uh, a lot of Christians have this performance mentality where we feel like we're never good enough, we're not doing enough, and we need to do more, right? As if we live in a circus. But God doesn't have a circus, He has a family. And it does seem like a circus sometimes. But that doesn't mean we have to perform. We don't have to perform for God, we need to relax and enjoy the, the, the family. Amen? We don't, listen to this one, we don't receive in prayer because we cry. It's not wrong to cry, but it's like a lot of the time when we're praying, I've seen it, like we'll put on the tears and sometimes it's genuine tears. But you know that those tears don't move God to answer your prayer. That, that's quite a thought. Those tears don't move God to answer your prayer. Agonizing before God in prayer and adding any kind of emotion doesn't do anything. So any emotion added to prayer doesn't help. You don't receive answers to prayer because you fast and you pray for days or months. Because then that would mean that you deserve it. Then you, 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 you earned it somehow. God doesn't work like that. Okay? We, don't, we do not have answers to prayers on the basis of any good thing that we've done. I, I, I'm trying to think. I saw this somewhere recently. Um, someone, I, I, it was really just funny. I can't remember where it was. But it was in church and someone gave or someone did something. And, 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 but it was like they're never in church. And so then they just went and quickly put something in the offering before they left. And I was like... That is such a good example of like hush money. Like you're, you're trying, you're just giving just because you think that maybe this will please God because I'm hardly here. So if I, yeah, it'll please us. <laughs> but it doesn't please God. You know, it's kind of like, well, let me just give my, my two cents. Because, well, no, two cents doesn't really exist anymore, right? <laughs> anyway. Romans chapter 3, verse 24. Yet God, this is a New Living Translation, in His grace freely makes us right in His sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty of our sins. King James says, being freely justified by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So we're justified freely. No conditions attached. We're made right with God freely. Now, when we pray and when we come to God in prayer, we need to have this solidly established in our, our thinking and in our hearts that I am being accepted and my prayers are being received because I'm made right because of Jesus. It's not because I've done something. You know, God doesn't answer your prayers because you're baptized in water. God doesn't answer your prayers because you, you, you fast or you pray or you tithe or you whatever. He answers your prayer because you've received. And now you're in Christ. And He doesn't even, we're going to get there, but He doesn't even see you when you're praying. We'll look at that in a sec. But you're complete in Christ. Romans chapter 3 verse 25 and 26. 
whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God to declare I say at this time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus you know what I like what this scripture reminds me of what this verse reminds me of is when uh, one mission trip I was on and went into a house and and uh, now you're going into these homes as you're going door to door and, and we're asking, you know, is there anything we can pray for you for? And you, you, you kind of have all these questions to suss out, are they truly Christian? And uh, in the culture, most are kind of traditionally Christian, but you're, you're kind of like um, trying to break through that to see the gap so you can expose the fact that they haven't, they haven't received the gospel yet. And so, you know, can we pray for anything? No, no, no. You can't pray for us, but please pray for our grandchildren. Because they're innocent, and God will hear the prayers for an innocent child. And you're like, that's my answer. Thank you, Jesus. And then we started to minister on grace, and how, you know, it doesn't matter how guilty you are, God will hear your prayer. And we started to speak about grace, and how this is the gospel. And these two men that we were speaking to, their grandfathers, were sitting on the edge of their chair, excited, looking at each other, going, are you hearing this? It sounds like, because they they knew the word, so they could hear that this was Bible, but they'd been sold so many lies that they thought that God won't listen to my prayer, I I better give more, and then I'll be justified to be able to pray more. Or, I don't go to church enough to warrant God hearing my prayer. You know, we, we, we all sit maybe at some point with some level of this in our thinking. Where we think, um, I remember driving early one morning uh, when we were still living in Stellenbosch. And I remember uh, uh, someone cut me off in traffic and I got angry. I didn't swear or anything, don't worry. I didn't do anything. But all I did was I got angry. And a few seconds later, I had a bit of a sore in my side, like a pain in my side. And I just said, in the name of Jesus, pain, go and as I said that, I felt like this thought come into my mind and saying, you can't do that now. You just got angry at that driver. <laughs> and I was like, that's right. I was like, no. Because <laughs> you know, the thing is, is we think that the authority of, of, that we've got in Christ only works when I'm holy. <laughs> right? That's what I was thinking in that moment. And it's good to live holy, and it's good to be holy, but you'll never be holy enough. So we've got to get to this, this, this understanding of, hey, the, me praying and exercising the authority I have in Christ works even on my worst day. I can rebuke the devil and he has to flee, even on my worst day, because I'm never not in Christ. I'm never not in Christ. So my prayers should always work. Because I'm always in Christ. I mean, that, that's huge. Think about it like this. Prayer doesn't change God. Prayer never changes God. And sometimes we pray as if we're trying to convince God of something. Another thing, someone's going to be blessed by this, I'm sure, is you can't pray for someone else to change. That's more like witchcraft. <laughs> Okay, so you can't pray for someone else to change. Okay? You can pray for God to minister to them or whatever you want to pray, something else. But, but you, you, 
Let me let me go back to this. Your prayer doesn't change God. Your prayer changes situations. Your prayers changes circumstances. Your prayers change stuff. Because remember what we said right in the beginning, we rule and reign in this earth. That's what we were created for. That's what we were destined for. And so you're not, you don't, we don't rule and reign over people. We can encourage people, we can minister to people, we can bless people, but we can't, and we should never try and manipulate or control people. And so our prayers don't change God. They can cause a change in people, but they can't ch- we can't pray to try and, you know, <laughs> voodoo people or whatever. Our prayer changes things because we have authority over the creation. This is what we've been given dominion over. Amen? Amen. God is constant. Look at Malachi. He doesn't change. Okay? It says that I am the Lord. I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Okay? God is always good. He's unchanging. And if you read through the Old Testament, okay, this is something, for those in ministry school, this is something we've been dealing with. For the rest of you, I hope this whets your appetite. Okay? If you read through the Old Testament, you come across some places which suggest that God changes His mind. Okay? There's places there that seem to suggest that God repents. These were assumptions. This is the thing we're unpacking in ministry school at the moment. In the Old Testament, they didn't have a full revelation of God. So you can't take the Old Testament as this is how God is. How do we know who God is? Through Jesus. We only know, like Jesus is the full revelation of God. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 says that He is the exact replica, the exact representation of of God. And so if you've seen, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So if we read the Old Testament, we've got to go back to Jesus and go, if I don't see it in Jesus, then there's something else going on here that I have to study deeper for, to understand something. Okay? But moving along, Numbers 23 verse 19. God is not a man, so he does not lie. Let me, let me pause there for a moment and say this, because I think it might be helpful. The Bible is not the Word of God. The Bible contains the Word of God. But the Bible is a, a, a book of sayings, you could say. Okay? If you're kind of upset with that, then wait. <laughs> because you need to realize, like... The Bible contains the words of Satan too. The Bible contains the words of liars. The Bible contains the words of Judas. The Bible contains many different people speaking. And so when we read the Bible, we've got to look at who's speaking and look at the context and understand it in light of Jesus. You can't just read it and go, this is what God is speaking to me. Maybe not. Go hang yourself isn't a word from God. You'll find that there. (laughs) Okay, let's move on. God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not a human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? What's the answer? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? So to repent is to change your mind. And this is just a reminder, God's not changing his mind over us. He's never changing his mind about us. If he says it, he's going to do it. Think about Adam. Adam sinned. 
And God never changed his mind about Adam. He didn't even rebuke Adam, if you think about it. He didn't get angry with Adam. He technically, and this might need some clarification, but he didn't even kick Adam out of the garden. He made a, a sacrifice for, for Adam on his behalf. Out of love, because he loved man, he came to rescue man. He came to help. He could not change his mind about the purpose of creating man. And yet after Adam botched up, he could have just said, you know what, let me just try again. But he didn't. He did not change his mind about the purpose of his creation. So we need to understand that our prayers won't change him. Even if you have big needs. <laughs> doesn't matter how big your needs are. I mean, you look at the world and you look at people who are very needy. And um, it's amazing how their prayers aren't answered. And then you've got some people who don't really have much need and their prayers are answered. You, know, you see things like this and it's like, what's going on? <laughs> and then you realize it's not because God is blessing and God is withholding. It doesn't work like that. We, we, you know, God has set up a system that will constantly bless you. I'm going to look at that in a moment. But Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So He's good today, He'll be good tomorrow, and He'll be good forever. He's never not going to be good towards you. Okay? Scriptural things are fixed. Scriptural truths are fixed. You can't change them with your prayer. So you need to know what the Word is saying so that you can pray in accordance with the Word. With the system that God has set up, if we operate within the system, you can be blessed from that. Okay, Psalm 24 verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to Him. Okay, so God filled the earth with a lot of good. God created the earth and He put a lot of good in it. What is one of the things that God put in? It ends with, it's, it starts with G and ends with old. Gold, thank you. Okay, so one of the things that God put in the earth is gold. Now think about it. Some people have gold, some people don't have gold. Some people have more gold than others, right? How did they get it? The blessing of God. No. There's some crooks who have more gold than all of us put together, right? So did God bless those crooks more than He blessed you with gold? Come, let, let's reason this out now, because a lot of us think that prosperity is a sign of God's blessing. A lot of us think that prosperity is the result of you praying. And that God liked you, so now He blessed you. I'm talking about money now. But then there, there's some crooks that God really loves. And there's a lot of Muslims that God really, really loves. The wealthiest people on the face of the earth are not Christians. Why? We've got to think about these things. Okay, God has put in this planet the answer to every need we would have tangibly. And then every need we could have spiritually is in Christ. Okay, so now with regards to the needs of you want some gold, you need to go and dig. You need to, you, like the, the, the person who gets the gold is the one that digs or pays for someone to dig. Or buys it from the person who dug it out, right? 
So it's not about who prayed the most or who lived a holy life. It's about the one who used their brains and their hands or their money to get the goal. I'm trying to show you something here. Money is not spiritual. <laughs> Making money is not a spiritual exercise. I don't know how we're getting onto this. But it's good. We don't get money because we pray. We get money because we work. And God can bless you with an idea. He can bless you with an opportunity. He can give you inspiration or wisdom or whatever. But He can't give you money. Why? Because He doesn't have any. The only money that God has is the money that's in your hands and in my hands. It's true. That's the only money that He has. And at the moment in the box He has nothing. <laughs> you know I'm just making a joke with you there. So nobody in this planet should miss out on the resources that God has put for us. But it's because of covetousness and because of greed that there's lack. Because in our, we're not generous towards each other like we should. Or you've got some people who are just kind of like abusing the system or abusing people and just taking more and taking more and taking more. And so that's why they have more. But that doesn't make them godly. I was talking to someone a, a, a while back and uh, uh, I can't remember the context. It's wonderful that I don't remember these details. But I remember them saying, like, like they were giving the impression that because as a ministry we were struggling a little bit financially, it's like, okay, but where's the blessing of God in this? And I was like, what are you doing? You've got more money maybe, but uh, what are you doing with it? <laughs> you know, it, like, like, you, can't, you can't judge your faith based on what you have. Faith, faith and finances, there, there's, a, there's a line there, but, 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 but um, I remember ministering this a while back and it blessed uh, 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 me and so many people so much, but God's not judging your faith based on what you have. It's not about what you have. How much love do you have? We don't think about love, we think about money more. So nobody on this planet should have lack because God has overloaded the earth with benefits. Now generally, we pray for God to answer. Uh, we pray to God, but now let's think about where do the answers come from? We think that the answers are coming uh, 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 to us from the heavens, but all the answers are here. All the answers are here. The natural needs that we have are in the earth and the spiritual needs that we have are in Christ. And whatever we've got in Christ, we've already got, so now we just need to withdraw it. And whatever tangible need is in the earth, so we need to go and mine it out. And you can get wisdom for that. But all, God has answered our prayers before we, we had them. So let's look at this. Prayer doesn't influence God in any way. Prayer influences our situations. Relationship, I believe it could, it, prayers of relationship would influence God's heart, and, it, it, but it's not going to change His mind about you. Okay? Let me say it like this, God's not getting emotional about your prayer. Maybe love, but love's not emotional in a sense. Okay? Prayer can change your circumstances, but you are not going to do anything that's going to make God act faster or act slower. Or give you more or give you less. Why? 
Because the system has been set up and now you just have to function within the system. No man has any influence over God in this respect that you can make him do something. Your faith isn't going to make God do something. Your faith is supposed to be in his goodness, in his character, in his nature. And when your faith is in that, in his grace, what he's done for you, then you receive. Then you experience the benefits or, or what he's already done for you. <laughs> I put it in my notes like this as well. Like big men of God, like Etienne. Big men of God don't have greater access to God. No, we don't have, just because we're in ministry doesn't mean we have great access to God than you do. We all have the same access, we just maybe use it differently. But you determine the answers that you receive from God or you don't receive. Faith makes all the difference. This last thing I want to look at quickly, Luke chapter 18, verse 1 to 8. Then he spoke a parable to them, that men ought to always pray and not lose heart, saying, there was a certain city, in, there was in a certain city, a judge who did not fear God nor regard men. Now, okay, let's just look at that. There was a, a certain, in a certain city there was a judge. He did not fear God nor regard man. Okay, does this sound like a good guy? Let's just establish that. This doesn't sound like a good guy. Okay. Verse 3. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man. So he's re-emphasizing the fact that he's not nice. Okay. Yet because of this, this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, Okay, so now... This is what Jesus is saying after that. Hear what the unjust judge says. And he even calls him unjust, meaning he's not nice. Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him? Though he bear long with them, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? So this point I want to bring out there is this is not a comparison between God and the judge. Don't put the judge and God together. Okay? It's a parable. It's, a, it's, it's metaphorical. It's not a direct uh, uh, interpretation of how it really happens with us and God. So the, the, the parable is not trying to tell us to make God tired because you're praying so much. Okay? Because God's unjust and, and He needs to be wearied out before He answers. That's not what it's saying. This judge didn't fear God. Okay, so he's ungodly. Okay, and he says because of the woman's continual coming, he's being made weary. How many of you know God doesn't get wearied by your prayers? <laughs> if I had to listen to them, maybe I would, but I'm not God. If I had to listen to you, think about it. Like, man would get weary at, at, at constant bombardment, but God doesn't. That's the goodness of God. That's how awesome He is. Okay? God create, created or sets up prayer for us to be able to commune, fellowship with Him, relate with Him, enjoy Him. He's not tired of you like your, 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 your family or your friends get tired of you. Okay? He enjoys your company. He enjoys it when you talk to Him. It's true. Yeah, our prayers... 
Well, let's look at that. He says there, when Jesus came to the issue of the response in there, he says, he does so speedily. Verse 8. God responds speedily. That's how God responds to us when we pray. God responds speedily. So now you've got to establish this in your heart and have this attitude in prayer. When I pray, God responds speedily. Because a lot of Christians have this idea that God's hiding. That my prayers are kind of knocking, knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. And it's hopefully trying to get through. And maybe God, oh, he's sleeping, I must wake him up. That's a, that's a, a heathen mentality with regards to God. He's not sleeping. Okay? He neither slumbers nor sleep and he doesn't get tired. Okay? So when we pray, God responds speedily. Because our prayers are not based on us. It's based on what Jesus has done for us. Look at this, Philippians 3 verse 9. And be found in Him, not having my own righteousness which comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. So this makes the whole, this makes the world of difference if we have this understanding with regards to prayer. Okay? When we're in Christ, when we're in Christ, it's about relationship now. And, and God is not looking at what you do. He's looking at what Jesus has done for you. And you've just come to Him based on your faith in Christ. So, I mean, you know, Jesus says, up until now you, you haven't prayed in my name. Now I say unto you, ask anything in my name and I'll do it for you. He's, he, he's, um, it's not just a magic key or a trinket. In the name of Jesus, amen. It, 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 it's talking about authority. So it comes back to authority. When we're praying in His name, it's as if we're praying. When we're speaking in His name, it's as if He is speaking. This is the attitude we've got to have in prayer. I don't know if this would hold any weight for you in your mind, but if you've ever looked at the front page of your passport, I don't know if it's like this in other countries, but in the South African one, in the front page, it says, in the name of the President of the Republic of South Africa. And then it appeals to the person reading this that would they please afford whatever rights and privileges to the bearer of this passport, to, to whatever. And it's, it's kind of like when you're carrying that, you, you, you're kind of traveling with the government's uh, authority backing you to kind of be able to travel. Okay? And maybe that doesn't really mean much to you, but the point is, is that that's how we get access into other countries, unless you've got a legal way of doing it. I'm thinking of uh, Claudia now, in uh, Italy. But the point that I'm trying to make now is that it's the same thing when we pray. It's not based on our goodness. You know, you have that, that incident in uh, Acts. Um, Paul, I know. Whoever else I know. Jesus I know, but who are you? And then the seven sons of Sceva, they, they, um, they got beaten up by the devil. <laughs> you know, when we're praying, that can't happen to us. Why? Because we're not doing it in our own authority. When you're casting out a demon, when you're praying for healing, when we're just speaking to God, when you're receiving wisdom, whatever, we're doing it in the name of Jesus, in His authority, because we're in Christ and we can't come out of Christ. 
Now that's the attitude, the mindset that we've got to have with this. Is that I'm in Christ and my prayers are being answered because I'm in Christ. That's it. I'm not coming to Him on my own basis. I'm coming to Him on the basis of what He's done for me. And I've got a free invi- an invitation to come free. Amen. That's, a, that's actually a good verse for us to finish off with. Go to Hebrews chapter 4. Because this one, uh, we have a, a, a wrong mindset about it as well. So I'll just throw this in there quickly. It says, let us therefore come boldly. Hebrews 4.16 Let us come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. Okay, now, what we should pull out of this is, yes, there is an attitude that when we pray, we should pray boldly. Because there is grace to help in our time of need. Amen? But this is now being written to a Jewish mind to convince them to come to the Messiah. There's different audiences in the book of Hebrews. Okay? There's uh, unbelieving Hebrews, there's believing Hebrews, there's all sorts, and they're trying to convince, there's even Hebrews sitting on the fence, and they're trying to convince the Hebrews on the fence that Jesus is the Messiah. This is saying, let us come boldly to the throne of grace. Assuming everyone's born again, we have come to the throne of grace. And what I'm about to show you, you should have the attitude of boldness. But you never, what I'm, trying to, what I'm going to show you is even more awesome. You never leave the throne room. I love that song, The Throne Room, that we sometimes sing. But I always cringe a little bit because it's a little bit wrong. But what are we going to do? Not sing anything. The point is, is that you never come into the throne room as a Christian. You're camping in the throne room. You're never, you don't have to say, Father, I'm coming boldly to the throne of grace to get help and grace in my time of need in the name of Jesus. You're already there. And he's like, where did you think you went? (laughs) Yeah, you were always here. Just enjoy your Father. You never leave Him. He never leaves you. You might just forget about Him, but He's not going anywhere. Amen? Amen. So we've got to change our mindset when it comes to prayer and start to see I'm in the throne room. I've got access now because of faith in His grace. And now I can boldly just enjoy this relationship, present my needs to Him, and just enjoy fellowship with Him. I don't have to come in with praises and thanksgiving and then get into uh, F sharp or whatever major, I don't know. Like, we think we have to get into different songs with different keys to be able to get into the glory. It doesn't work like that. I'm living in the glory. Amen. So let's stand up. We're going to go into a time of uh, prayer. And I want to invite you that if you feel something on your heart as we pray, there's freedom to come and share it from the microphone. So Father, I thank you that as we just uh, invite you just to speak to our hearts and as we, we just enjoy this time of fellowship with you, we thank you, Father, that uh, you just minister, Father. Minister to us, minister through us. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. I want to encourage you right now, just close your eyes wherever you are. And just just enjoy your Father. Allow Him to speak to your heart. Allow Him to minister to you. Don't be bothered with anything else right now. Just, Just focus in on Jesus. 
Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, that even as you speak now to our hearts, that there's refreshing. Right in the beginning of the service, even, I felt like there was some that you just needed refreshing. And if you haven't experienced that yet, I just encourage you, open up your, your heart, just focus in on the Lord now and just, just see those streams of living water that you've got inside of you, flowing and restoring and refreshing you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Uh, sometimes we're expecting refreshing to be an emotional thing, but I believe that God is, also refreshes us through His Word. You know, just, he wants to speak a word to you now. And that Word would just refresh you, strengthen you, and give you the courage that you need to do what, what you're needing to do. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Got a word? Come. Um, I had something. I don't even know if it's on. It's on. Just speak. Uh, oh, there it is. Um, yeah, I had something on my heart uh, from the first song, even, and then um, from what Etienne said, and then what Shane said as well. Um, but I feel like there is something, someone here that's uh, struggling with su suicide uh, thoughts um, and. Well, I, I've had a lot of that since I was little um, until like I think two, three years ago um, but with the song it hit me different tonight um, just to focus on God and know that you have the power to have heaven here so for me when I was had suicide thoughts I thought that like it would be so much better to be in heaven and like why be here anymore so horrible but we can make heaven here so you don't have to worry about going up there that's awesome so father we just pray for whoever that might be um who's uh, just having suicidal thoughts thank you firstly that they would just reach out to one of us as leaders just to be able to stand with them and encourage them and minister to them but right now we just we just break that spirit of suicide over them that attack of death and we just speak life over you right now in the name of Jesus. Whoever you are, we declare freedom from this attack of the enemy, which is seeking to destroy the destiny of God on your life. And we declare right now his destiny in your heart, in your life, in Jesus' name. You are free from those thoughts. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. John Ash also just uh, had a picture for you. Um, I just saw a, a, a fish like a, swimming upstream, and uh, with like a like like a, I just see this like maybe a challenge or a struggle of, of swimming upstream because obviously it's easier to swim downstream. But uh, the the word that I felt feel with that um, to to realize that as a as a fish, um, you've been
created for water, but also the water was also created by God. And so it's not like a, what God is calling you to, that resistance that you might be experiencing. Like you were created for that and He's doing it with you. So I just see that like a, the two are work, working hand in hand together. Um, so just that encouragement to just keep going for it. Don't, like, don't back down. You're empowered to do this. Um, and even though it's coming with resistance, like just keep pushing forward. Um, and then, uh, Sarah, just for you as well. Uh, uh, just uh, Rachel, sorry. <laughs> almost, almost. <laughs> it's a spiritual name. Rachel, uh, yeah, I just saw, uh, I saw this, um, just a, a fencer, like a fighting uh, fencing with a sword. And obviously when it comes to that sport, um, it's, it's normally like uh, just one sword. And the other, I believe, I can't remember like the picture, but I just saw God uh, inviting you to use another sword as well. Don't just use that one sword. Um, I know within that sport, like it's one sword, but God is inviting you to, to more fruitfulness in that, in that battle because with two swords you can accomplish more. And uh, so I don't know exactly what that uh, is uh, representative for you, um, but just that, that invitation to use both. Don't just uh, carry on as you have been. There's another way and it's going to produce more fruitfulness. Amen. Anyone else got a word? Please come up. Even if it's just a verse and it's not for someone specific, just encourage you just to step out and just come and share it with us. Otherwise, keep your eyes closed and just focus on the Lord and let Him minister to you. I really just have this thought that, like, um, that's going to minister to someone. You know, sometimes we think that one, like, you may have had like a, a good life, but like, there's just one area of this of your life which um, it seems like it's not good fruitfulness. It seems like it's not um, good. And you kind of feel like everything's a wreck just because of that one thing. And I just like, it's kind of like, you know, you kind of maybe even looking at it in terms of you, you, you throw a rock at a window and if it's broken at the bottom, it's broken all the way. You need to replace the whole thing. And I just felt like you, you, you kind of like looking at things wrong and God just wanting to restore your, the, the, the picture of your life. Because you're looking at your life just in one part and going... This is a mess and it's not even your decision. Whatever that mess is, it's, it's kind of something that is maybe to do with your life, but it's not you. And I just feel like God's just saying, be free from that. You're not what that happened in that situation. And you're struggling to move forward into His plans and His purposes because you, you're, you're camping on that one negative thing. And He's just inviting you just to let go and move on. Move forward. Anna, come. Oh, so I got um, James 4.17, which uh, is a challenging word, as it would say. Um, it says, remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. I think it fits in so well with what Jane was saying today. I mean, if you go um, just a bit up in that... Um, chapter one of the titles are warning warning about self-confidence and i think what it's saying here is like just again like it says in verse 15 even what you ought to say is if the lord wants us to we will live and do this or that just exactly what shane was saying tonight like 
It's not about what you can do for God or about your righteousness. It's about your righteousness in Him and what He's done for you. So I really like, it seems like it's a condemning verse, but I think it speaks about what tonight was about. Saying, remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not to do it. Awesome. Early on in, in, in the time of uh, singing, I felt for you, Anna, just like God is saying, I, he be, I believe there's a door of opportunity opening for you, which you're not going to like, but it's the right thing. And I just felt like him saying, like, don't uh, judge by appearances or by your heart's desires, because he doesn't speak like that. And you understand what I'm saying by that. Uh, but he, he, the opportunity will lead to, be, to bigger things as well. And so just be expectant for that. And then... Uh, Leandre and Janesh, Isaiah 30, verse 29. Isaiah 30, verse 29. Ye shall have a song as in the night when a holy uh, solemnity is kept and gladness of heart as when one goeth with a pipe to come into the mountain of the Lord to the mighty one of Israel. And the Lord shall cause his glorious voice to be heard. And Father, so I, whatever that means for them, I thank you that there's a song that's going to come in their, in their life and in their hearts. And in the middle of the night, I kind of just see like in, you know, in, at midnight, this light just breaking forth. Not to disrupt natural sleep or something, but I just feel like, like God's just saying, hey, you know, just uh, keep being expectant. He's going to cause His vo glorious vo voice to be heard in your life in such a powerful way and we just thank you father whatever this is that 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 you reveal it to them and you bring it to pass in jesus name anybody got a problem with your spine problem with your spine or pain in your back in some way come Father, we just thank you right now for suing. Whatever this pain is that's in your back, we just command it right now. Pain, go in Jesus' name. I command life, command wholeness, command restoration. Life flow now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. I feel like uh, God's just showing me like there's something else, uh, more like in your heart, <laughs> not naturally, not physically, but uh, emotionally. Like there's something that someone's done or something's happened that's caused like a thorn in your heart or a piercing in your heart, which may have caused uh, uh, not anything physically, but just kind of like something that you try to kind of push past, a disappointment maybe or something like that, does it make sense to you? Maybe relationally or something like that. But Father, I think whatever that is, that um, you reveal it to me, that you would just be able to kind of just give that to you, just to be able to move forward. That you wouldn't uh, hold on to anything, but that you continue just to live a free life, enjoying what you've got for you, Father. Thank you, Father. 
just like a, you've been playing in the baby pool, you know, like, um, and you've been playing it safe, and you've been uh, just splashing around there, and I just feel like God is inviting you to go into the deeper, the deeper side, um, but also because you'll be able to swim there, because you can't swim in the baby pool, you're actually just splashing around. So I just feel like I'm just going to pray for that person wherever you are. And I just thank you, Jesus, that the call that you call us to is to more, um, is to more freedom and more truth and, a, and just a fuller life with you, Lord. Jesus, you, say, you said that you came to bring abundant life. I just speak that abundant life and uh, you show that person how they can move from that pool with you. Just like how Peter walked on water with you, Lord. That we can trust you, Jesus. Thank you that you love them so much and you lead them by your love and not by fear or anything like that. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Awesome. Um, for you in the back, is it uh, Amber's mom? Yes. Great. For you, I just had this picture of like this big bowl of fresh roses, like cut roses, and I felt like God oh, just putting it in front of you. And saying like you're missing out on so much because you're looking in the wrong direction. And I feel like he's just like trying to get your attention in so many different ways. But uh, you keep kind of, because of maybe a, 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 the wrong self-esteem, you kind of focus on the wrong stuff. You, you kind of think that it couldn't be for me. It couldn't be for me. And I just felt it like saying, it's for you. It's like just, just he wants you to, to give him his full attention so that he can just lavish his love on you and show you how much he loves you because that's what's going to bring the stability in your life. Where things don't seem to be working, it's like it's going to start to work when the, the, the foundation of love is really just laid there. And it's not how much you love him, it's how much he loves you. So Father, right now I just thank you that you, you just pour out your love in such a powerful way in her heart and in her life that she would experience the height and the depth and the breadth and the length of that that she'd be overwhelmed father i just feel like he's wanting to take your hand and just get you up out of the like you're sitting in a sofa a couch and he wants to pick you up and just like dance with you around the living room it's like he's inviting you just to experience much more than you're experiencing now in this life it's not just about one day when you die but even now he's wanting you to to start to have joy unspeakable joy in a way that will change everything in your life it's going to change the way that you 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 are at the office it's going to change the way that you're in relationships i just feel like he's restoring he's starting he's wanting you just to experience restoration in many different areas of your life and in your heart and I feel like he's just saying, hey, like, you, you've got to receive this. It's not going to happen because I want it. And I feel like he's just inviting you just to sit and, 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 and open up and just say, here I am, God. And he's faithful. He will do it. Just open yourself up and just receive. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Any last words?
Taste, I have this uh, picture for you. Um, you know the blinkers that a horse wears? I just have, it's a picture of like these blinkers. They look like swimming goggles almost, but they're, they're blinkers. And uh, it's kind of like God's passing them to you. And he's saying, uh, uh, you get to focus on what you need to focus on, or, or what you choose to focus on. But he's wanting to give it to you and then show you where to focus, and then nothing else is supposed to be in your, in your, your view. He's wanting you just to kind of have a laser focus and just move forward in that direction, whatever it is. Uh, uh, and I just feel like I'm saying, you know, you've got to put these blinkers on. You can't put them on for you. And then you've got to hear from him what direction. And as you do, you're going to see certain things just becoming uh, um, uh, faded out. You know, it's not going to be in your, your view because it feels like sometimes maybe overwhelming with too much stuff at once. And I feel like I'm saying the way to deal with that is just to allow him to focus you in one direction. And Father, I thank you, whatever that direction is for, for taste, that he would, uh, he would just embrace that, not second guess it. And I thank you that as he steps in that direction, whatever, however you're speaking to him about this now, I thank you that uh, he's going to experience tremendous breakthrough. I feel like it's even going to bring some calmness in your heart and in your mind. And I thank you, Father, that that, that peace is really just going to settle him, settle him down where he's not going to be second-guessing every move and second-guessing decisions that he makes and things like that. But he's, he's going to be able to just go in a direction that you're calling him to, but be planted and be established and be fruitful like he has never done before, Father, in, in such a tremendous way. In Jesus' name. Amen. And Father, I just thank you that this week is going to be a good week for us. It's going to be blessed no matter what. Whether, it's, uh, whether there's good, there's bad, or there's ugly. In the way this week, I thank you that you're with us. And that means we can have joy unspeakable and we can have peace and we can have hope no matter what. And we can live our lives on purpose, uh, being a blessing to whoever we come into contact with. I thank you, Father, that this week ahead we'd hear your voice clearly and we would know what's on your heart for us. And I thank you, Father, that we would even step out and being a blessing to other people and giving them a word. And giving them a word of encouragement. Or, or whatever it is. In Jesus' name. Amen. You can find more of our free teachings on our website, www.gracelife.co. And if you're ever in the Cape Town area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website www.gracelife.co.